I had the privilege of being a special guest on the Create Art Podcast. Timothy Kim O'Brien is one of my favorite podcasters. We discuss the origins of poetic earthlings and how I come up with new, wacky, interesting ideas to entertain all of you. How do you describe your audience? Who is the typical person, or is there a typical person that listens to Poetic Earthlings? I, I think the typical audience member is uh, somebody that's extremely curious about how things work, about why they're here, uh, the purpose behind everything. A person that's able to to look at something very simple. There's a link to the interview within the show notes or on my website, poeticearthlings.com. What you're about to hear is an episode of The Mothership. This is an exclusive podcast to monthly contributors. To be one of those chosen few, please visit buymeacoffee slash poeticearthlings. New episodes of Poetic Earthlings is arriving this fall. Take it away, space lady. Have your boarding passes ready. Take a seat by the window and recline your chair. The mothership is about to take flight. We will go behind the scenes of the Poetic Earthlings podcast and discover the creative process at work. Each show is unscripted, candid, and will equip you with the resources you need to be a creative earthling. Say goodbye to your conventional way of thinking and your three-dimensional reality. Here is your captain, York Campbell. Let's just face it. Trump could be a little bit obnoxious intrusive, rude, in your face. So why did I call this Lessons I Learned from Trump? Listen to this. We have some bad hombres here, and we're going to get them out. You remember this one? You've called women you don't like fat pigs, dogs, slobs, and disgusting animals. Your Twitter account Only Rosie O'Donnell. What about this? And you know what else they say about my people? The polls. They say, I have the most loyal people. Did you ever see that? Where I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and I wouldn't lose any voters, okay? Wait, let's rewind that. Where I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and I wouldn't lose any voters, okay? There is lessons that we could learn from Donald Trump if we're humble enough to listen to them. That's the problem these days. We are not that humble. We're quick to criticize. We're quick to put down the other side, whoever that other side is to you. My favorite, or one of my favorite parts of the Bible, and I have many, is in Proverbs when it says, Go to the ant, you sluggard, and learn from its ways. Not saying that Trump is an ant. No, not saying that. But we can learn from anyone. It doesn't matter who that person is. So these are some of the lessons I learned from Trump. Number eins. Teflon is better than gold. Now that might sound kind of crazy, right? You know, Teflon, the stuff that you put on your frying pan and, and other things so that it doesn't stick. And then you have gold 
gold looks nice. Everyone wants gold. If I, if I bought my wife a Teflon anniversary ring, it's not going to look as nice. She may kind of question even the whole marriage altogether. But if I got her a, a diamond ring or a gold, she will like, thank you so very much, dear. It looks amazing. Now, when I say Teflon is better than gold, Teflon doesn't stick. You could throw anything on Teflon and it just, you just wipe it away. It looks, it doesn't look the greatest, but it's practical. Yeah, Teflon is practical. Trump is like Teflon. I mean, whatever you say about him, it doesn't stick to him. That's his, his superpower. Unlike so many of us, I mean, whatever other people say to us, it kind of, it sticks. When I wrote my book, Universe Splendor, my wife, my sweet wife, was forcing me to call Oprah, the Oprah Winfrey. She said, York, your book is so good. I think you should let Oprah know about it. Send it into her. I wrote an episode called My Meeting with Oprah. Not all of it was fictional. Most of it was, but not all of it. My wife really wanted for me to take my book into Oprah, for her to see it and, and for her to, to talk about it. But I was afraid. I didn't feel worthy. I mean, the Oprah Winfrey with my book in her hands? It didn't make any sense to me. And for months and months, she said, come on, did you take your book in to Oprah? And I said, no, no, I didn't take my book in. Why didn't I do that? Well, I guess I didn't want to hear the negative feedback. I wasn't Teflon. I didn't want her to say something, uh, well, uh, as if she would come on the phone to just speak to little old me about my book. But I guess I, I didn't want all of the hassle when deep in my heart I know that I wasn't going to be on the stage with the queen herself. So I didn't have Teflon. I think some of the reasons that I didn't have Teflon back then was because I was worried about what she would think of me. When I was working on the podcast, I was worried about it being too spiritual. And then I was worried about it being too worldly. Strange thing, isn't it? I was saying, well, how is this going to go over in the church? How are people going to respond to it? Is it too worldly? Is it too street? And then I thought, how is this going to go over to the listening audience? Is it too biblical? Too spiritual? And then for the longest time, I was thinking, oh my, I, I put out this episode. What's going to happen? What are they going to say about it? Are they even going to listen? I wasn't made of Teflon at the beginning because I was just too worried. Also, I was too worried about what my mom would say. I'm not sure if you had that feeling, what your mom or your dad will say, but my mom was stuck in my head. I love my mom, but it was, it was really clamming or crunching down on my style. Because every, every time that I, I would write something, I would think, oh, say for instance, if my mom reads that, or every time I may put out a, a podcast episode, what would happen if my mom listens to that episode? What would she think of her son? 
So because she was in my head, and it was hard for me to flush her from my from my head, it was, again, it was dragging down the writing style. Because I thought way too much about what she would think. When Trump is doing his thing, he's not worried about what people would think. He just says things. Also, I was worried about the audience reaction. What would my audience say? And that could really, really derail you from what you want to do. If you're so caught up on your audience, then, then you're really missing the point. You have to, first of all, create, draw, write, take photos for you first. It has to be for you first. You have to fully enjoy it before your audience can enjoy it. Number Zwei. Entertain them to death. The difference between Hillary and Trump is very, very obvious. Trump knew how to sell himself. He is, and he was, a showman. To his core, he could dazzle you. He get up on stage and he says the most outlandish things. Sometimes, even in his rallies, he's a little bit of a comedian. He didn't know what to expect when he opened his mouth. That's what drew people to Trump. The entertainment value. Hillary, on the other hand, she was a, a probably a better politician than Trump, but she was calculated. She had a lot of stats. She knew exactly what to say and how to frame it. Everything was methodical. Before her speeches, she would practice and practice, go over painstakingly every detail of her speech until she gets it right, every nuance, every word. Trump, on the other hand, he had no preparation, just a couple of minutes before, and then he'll kind of wing it, and he pulled it off. Trump didn't win in 2016 because he was smarter or brighter than Hillary. No. He won because he was entertaining. People paid attention. He drew the crowd. He was sort of like a, a circus act. You know, when you go into the circus and you see uh, you see the man trying to tame the lion, there's a trapeze artist, there's somebody being shot out of a cannon, there's a clown and his, and his pants is set on fire. Well, all of that is Trump. And then there was Hillary, the studious, serious, dedicated uh, teacher or professor. Of course, people will look at the man whose pants is set on fire running down the school hallway rather than the, rather than the Harvard professor. So as a writer, as a creator, as an artist, you need to entertain. Not just having all of your academics in order. Also putting up the streamers, blowing up the balloons. Making the place, making your area, your space the most exciting thing possible. If it's not entertaining, then people are not going to listen. People will not read, they will not tune in. They would not look at your art. You need to make it entertaining. I try to do this. Remember what I said before on the last episode? My, my son listened to one of my episodes and he says, Dad, this is boring. 
And so I retooled everything, and I listened carefully, considered what he had to say, and I made it entertaining. So we need to do that with our art. If you're bored, then create an explosion. Or if you're writing a story, and and you get bored, throw a bomb. Make something explode. Change it. Don't just go along with it. I don't know. There's some there's some writers out there that they they say, oh yeah, I'm writing this chapter, but this chapter is boring. But you know what? I'm going to get to the exciting chapter. After this chapter, wait until you read chapter 20. Well, why should we wait? Why not make chapter 19 the most exciting chapter ever? When I'm writing my story for the podcast or just writing a story in general, if it gets stale, I stop. And then I say, what is going on here? How can I change this? And then I do something radical. Uh, You know, a character may die or somebody may win the lotto or a building may explode. Something happens. So that's what you need to do. Make it as entertaining as possible. So that, first of all, you won't get bored and you won't drive away your audience. Number three. Focus on your tribe. The one thing Trump is good at is the rallies. When he finished and he won the U.S. election in 2016, he did something that was a little bit uncanny. He didn't stop the rallies. I mean, they kept on going. He kept on packing them in into the stadiums. You think that he would have stopped by then. I mean, every U.S. politician, after they win the election, especially the presidency, the rallies stop. They switch modes. They don't do what they did before. Donald Trump didn't do that. He kept on campaigning. There's a lesson there. He created a cult following because of that. People showed up, and they're still showing up to these campaigns, almost religiously. doesn't matter what this guy is saying. They're there to take it all in. The lesson that we can learn from this is that it's important to focus on our followers. I mean, really focus on them. Not the thousands. I mean, I have a Twitter account right now, and you probably have Facebook or Instagram or whatever you have. You may have thousands and thousands of people, followers. Are you really going to focus on the thousands? Don't focus on the thousands. Focus on the few. Those few that are fanaticals. Those few that love you. Focus on them. I try to do this with my with my Twitter account. I have thousands of people, but I only focus on a handful of people. I invest my time into them. I buy their books. I try to be as personal as I could possibly be. I share my life, my struggles. I learn from them. And what does that do? It creates trust. It creates a partnership. It creates unity. The people that try to focus on the thousands of people all at once, yeah, they may have 20, 30,000 followers. There's some people that have a million followers, but how many of them 
are dedicated, how many of them will support them no matter what happens, will be there for them when they're, when they're depressed, when things are not going as, as jubilant in their career or with their family. We need to have those close ties with people, not the thousands, but the few. Focus on the few. And then what would happen is that you will grow as an individual. You'll grow deeper, stronger roots. And those few that you focus on, they will grow as well. I am not really into the race to see who could have the most followers. I mean, that's just, that doesn't really move the needle. It may look impressive. I mean, I see some people on these social media websites and you look at their numbers and you're like, wow, how did they get to so much, to so many people? But it's better just to focus on the few. Number fear. Be a pit bull, not a poodle. Trump's combative style puts a raw taste in a lot of people's mouths. He's always fighting. He's never stopped fighting. That's the thing with him. He's aggressive. He bites. He barks. Now, what I'm about to say may seem weird. And it probably is. And I probably will get into a lot of trouble for saying this. But here I go. We need to be a pit bull. We need that. There's a lot of gatekeepers in different publishing companies and gatekeepers in different industries, especially the arts that I'm focused on. And they're going to push back. They're going to say, no, your stuff is not worthy to be put into our magazine. It's not worthy to be shopped around. And we could be like nice Canadians, like me, a nice Canadian, and say, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'll, I'll do better. I'm sorry. And we could suck up. We could, we could be like a welcome mat and just have them just walk on over us, be pushed around. They could say, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll buy your book, but we're going to give you this amount. And we could say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take that. Rather than saying, what about my other options? A poodle looks adorable, doesn't it? It's small. It's obedient. You could pick her up and carry her wherever you want to go. It's not threatening. A pit bull, on the other hand, doesn't look as adorable. You can't easily pick up a pit bull and put him in your your bag and carry, carry him around. Now, it's a little bit more bold, more, more scary to look at. But we need to be a pit bull. We need to. If you believe that you have an incredible work of art, then you need to share that. You need to shop that thing around. The thing with Trump that people don't like is that he tends to brag often. He's always bragging about his achievements. I mean, constantly, it seems like he's bragging about his achievements. He has an ego. We need to take some of that ego as well. We need to have a little bit of it. Not so much that it gets to our head, but we need to believe in our stuff that we write, that we create. If we're not our biggest fans, then, then who will be? Also, a loud bark gets people's attention. 
The louder you are, then people will listen. Number fünf. Love him or hate him. One thing about Trump, you either love him or hate him. You're not on the fence. What you create has to be like this as well. You have to be offensive to some people and a blessing to others. You can't be milk toast. You can't be run of the mill. Somewhere in the middle. You have to make somebody cry or chair. Somebody wants to slap you in the face or give you a hug. Remember this when you're writing, when you're creating your art. Don't try to make it appeal to everyone. It's not going to. It doesn't matter what you create. It doesn't matter how lovely you form your words or paint the picture. So don't do that. Remember, to make it stand for something, to make it mean something to you. If you do that, somebody will love it. They will say, hey, I really love what you do here. And then some people, like the church lady that I talked about last week, she'll find it offensive and probably want to stab you with the book or with your art. That's okay. You're not for everyone. You're not everyone's cup of tea. Don't try to blend in. The good thing about Trump, I guess, is that he doesn't try to blend in. He doesn't try to do that. He may rub you the wrong way, but he doesn't apologize. We need to be like that. People need to have an opinion about us. They can't just be on the fence. They need to either love us or hate us. Well, that's about it for me. I really hope you got something out of this. Keep on writing. Keep on being you. Creating your art. This is York. South of the 49th Parallel. I'll talk to you soon. You're fired.